You're listening to the OHL in 60 podcast. I'm Reese Demaney along with Colin Ward. First of all, everybody, happy Halloween. I think this is the first year we're releasing on Halloween, so that's kind of cool. And it's going to be a little bit of a Halloween-themed show um, for you this week. We're going to, of course, run through the headlines from this, this past week, past weekend in the Ontario Hockey League. Then we're going to play a little bit of impressed or unimpressed, kind of our take or a uh, little bit of a change on trick-or-treat, I guess. A little trick-or-treat. Yeah, a yeah. little bit of a fun game. Um, of course, we'll talk about Halloween and candy throughout the entire show, but uh, we'll do a little bit of that here in here in the first segment. Um, and then segment number two is going to be a fun one. Of course, Troy Mann, the new bench boss for the Kingston Frontenacs, already gotten his first fine, which I thought was funny. Uh, and suspension. And suspension, yeah. So... So that's something to talk about. That'll be a headline, of course, but we could also get into that in segment number two um, because Joel Vanderland, who spent the last, what we're looking at the last two years uh, with, with the Belleville Sens, two, two and a half years with the Belleville Senators. So we're going to talk about Troy Mann, what he kind of brings to the table to, to the Kingston front and Axe. And Joel, that'll be a fun chat as it is always when he, when he pops on the show. Um, and then, of course, we will look ahead to which games we're interested in for the upcoming week, upcoming weekend. We'll touch on the power rankings as well. Some teams starting to be where they should be, um, but we'll give our thoughts horrible. on that. Yes, yes. Um, huh. <laughs> There's your team. I think we know who the trick is, and I think we know who the trick is. They're giving like the small uh, chocolate bars for Christmas or, you know, the Starburst with just the two Starburst small and you get chocolate like bars for Christmas Colin, you're mixing up holidays. No, no the hall, the Halloween. Oh my. Hey, you know what? You know what? I'm just going to start. With this moment. Week, you know? <laughs> hey, yeah, but you know what? I'm, I got a legitimate excuse. Maybe. Um, <laughs> maybe. I, I Colin Ward am one and oh against Taylor Swift in football. Broncos country, let's ride. Um, the Kansas City Chiefs are frauds. Um, and it was exposed yes on Sunday in Mile High, the place that was the owner of the AFC West before they've had their five years of fame or whatever the heck it's been. Um, the streak is over. And just like that, the Denver Broncos own the Kansas City Chiefs again like they did for the first 20 years of my life. So... Let's ride. Russell Wilson outperformed Patrick Mahomes. And I can't believe I just said that. And the defense played good. Let's ride. Sorry, I'm 1-0 against Taylor Swift. So that's awesome. Well, you said they banned her from the stadium too. <laughs> well, yeah. She, Which, uh, I mean, I mean to be honest, probably made a few people it's a, side a show. Bit, yeah. Like, but if it's you our think home about stadium. It, I've had this conversation with a couple of buddies of mine that, like, you could you could have a pretty fun drinking game the amount of times they show Taylor Swift. And I feel like there are people out there who got together to watch the game, have, you know, play that drinking game. Oh, what, how many times are they going to show Taylor Swift? Taylor Swift is not at the game today. And you're like, well, you know, hey, it's all good. Then you can show the five turnovers against Patrick Mahomes and that Kansas City uh, yeah. terrible offense that they got there now. Um, and it's funny how – when they had when they got McCall Hardman before in like 2020 when they were so good that Sammy Watkins, Roberts Robinson there, and then Tyree Kills last year, and they were gonna be so good. They were gonna be so good. And now that receiving core is complete garbage. Yeah. Um, so I'm fired up. I love the fall of uh whatever their kingdom's called there in Kansas City. I love Arrowhead. that. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Remember uh, Burrow Land? It's Russ yes. Land now. It's Broncos country. It's Broncos country south now in uh, Kansas City. There I just had to – 1-0 against Taylor Swift feels good. Um, see them next year. Oh, That's man. a Super Bowl yesterday for the Denver Broncos. That's hilarious. Yeah, you got. Are you gonna raise a banner? Are you gonna be like the Blue Jays and raise a pointless banner? Well, the Jays are a joke. The Jays haven't won anything in my lifetime. They're the worst sports team out of my out of my four teams. They're the worst, and it's not even close. Um, Red Wings won the year I was born. The Broncos won the year I was born. So that's pretty cool. That's Winning in ninety eight. That's yeah. That's sweet. Yeah. Um, uh, the Raptors won. The Jays will never win. Um, so. I'll just take the beating. I'll just take the beating when the other three are going to be good. So it's all good. All right. uh, Let's hit a couple of headlines from, uh, from this past week. We'll start with the players of the week. Get those, uh, get those rolling. And we will start with the OHL goaltender of the week. We're going to go up to Barry uh, with the Colts. Sam Hillebrandt was phenomenal for the Barry Colts. Two wins, a goals against average of one save percentage of nine 71 and he was phenomenal six 70 or 67 saves last week in those two wins um yeah he was he was just phenomenal um also in the running for this award carter george the owen sound attack he was two and oh uh record of uh or uh goals against average of 2.50 save percentage of 925 as well as Braden Gillespie of the Guelph Storm. He was 2-1. and one. Goals against average, 2.35, and a save percentage of 9.29. The OHL Player of the Week, and I studied film on this name for the last, like, half hour. Like, or not yeah. the last half hour, but for, like, half an hour. Because I'm like, I've heard it a few times, but let's hear it again. And I kept hearing it, hearing it. Um, we're going to go up to Sault Ste. Marie Kirill. Who drafts Sev of the Sioux Greyhounds? I think I just nailed that, Wardy. I think you got it too. I'd be yeah. no thanks, man. Um, I'd be that's you know what that's clutch. Um, that's clutch. That's Justin Simmons in the fourth quarter against the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> oh man, um, you know I'm gonna you know I'm gonna throw shade at Casey all this shit. Yeah, hey, no, it's no problem by me. I, I got mean, my. It'll be a uh, nice uh, nice change of events from what the Pittsburgh Steelers thought was a good football game yesterday or on Sunday. That was awesome. Um, but, yeah, but, the uh, the Sioux Greyhounds uh, or the Vancouver Canucks prospect, I should say, um, two goals, four assists. He was also a plus four in, in three games for the Sioux Greyhounds. Also in consideration for the award, Jet Luchenko of the Guelph Storm. He had a couple of goals and four assists in three games. And Brayden Kressler of the Flint Firebirds, three goals, three assists, and was also a plus five over three games for the Flint Firebirds. So that is, those are your OHL goaltender and player of the week. Um, Let's get to it a little bit now, Wardy. Um before we before we talk about it with Joel, um, we'll just touch on it here quickly about uh, about the incident in Kingston and kind of kind of what went on, what happened. Um, so we'll read the suspensions here first. Maddox Callens, um, he got two games. He will be eligible to return November fourth. 
And then, uh, of course, Kingston head coach Troy Mann, two games as well. He will be back the 4th of November also. But this is another incident, Colin, where guys left the bench to go participate in some antics going on on the ice. Of course, the first time being between the Peterborough Peets and Brantford Bulldogs. Um, You know, I don't know if it's just, uh, you know, guys are really into into sticking up for their teammates and making sure they're not getting pushed around. Um, You know, is it the veterans sticking up for young guys? Like what, what, what do you make of now this being the second event where, where this has taken place? Yeah. You know, I think suspending the coach and all this is pretty good to be honest, because it allows you to be accountable. Um, And it really makes the teams think about this now. And there's a scrum at the end of a game, you know, you're really thinking about, that you know you're really thinking about that now the play if you're a player you're really thinking about it well if i leave the bench my coach is getting suspended then so am i yeah. um and it starts at two and it goes to four from two to four games anywhere within that range but uh in my opinion in this situation it's just not a very smart play by maddox collins to leave the bench like that in a situation you're an overage you're having a, you're having a very tough start to your year this year in kingston and the team is struggling as well and just coming off a coaching change it's the first game you're probably frustrated and uh to leave the bench like that it's obviously frustrating but it could be something that was brewing all game you don't know the specifics of it but it could have been something that was brewing all game and then that specific player that was really in his kitchen all game um really lit the candle and next thing you know the sparks are flying but um we'll see i don't want to get too into it but uh tough one early i mean that's tough your first game for your troy man behind the bench and that happens but you're gonna start to see strides here with kingston and um It'll be interesting to see how this team can turn around. I think that it's early yet to save their season. They have a lot of good, talented players there, and they're definitely underachieving. And it's funny. We talk about the players of the week, right, and seeing Sault Ste. Marie have another player of the week. Um, Sault Ste. Marie, I think every OHL fan knows the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds an apology for the start of the year and um, from last year, including myself. I mean, last year I was on the Saginaw trade train for getting the Mem Cup. I didn't know what Sue was going to bring. And to see Sault Ste. Marie come out like this, after having a really good draft, and now you see their veteran guys step up like this. Um, the Sioux Greyhounds have been money right now this year. Um, they look really good. And um, with Kingston, I mean, Troy Man, there, the systems are going to change, but it'll be interesting to see what Joel has to say about Troy coming to town. But I just think it's leaving the bench. It's a frustration thing. And um, if you do that, if I'm sure if Maddox Collins was in the exact same situation that, that he was in, um, it'd be a different result for him and uh, choosing to leave the bench or not. Yeah. 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 Like, like you said, we'll, we'll discuss the Troy man side of things uh, with Joel in a little bit here. Um, also a couple more headlines to get to. We saw well three trades, um, two of them minor compared to the big one. That's kind of in the middle of them. Um, you know, we'll start back on, uh, on the 24th of October. Uh, Mississauga sending Justin, um, is it Dezoot? Oh, Dezoti? Dezoti, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I was way off on that. Um, to Guelph. Um, Guelph sending a seventh round pick in 2026. Um, that was more of a minor one. We'll get to the, get to the other smaller one before we get to the big one, Colin. Um, yeah, because I have a lot of beef with that. Can we wait for the trick? Can we wait for the trick with Saginaw? I'm just going to spoil it now. They're a trick and a half. Sure. Um, Saginaw spirit right now. Can we get to that trade in a bit? Yeah, yeah, we can wait till then for sure. Thank you. Um, the most <laughs> recent trade going down on the 30th. Um, 
gives us something to talk about the the same night. Um, Connor Toms goes from Sault Ste. Marie to Windsor. Windsor sending back a a 12th round pick in 2025. And then, of course, yeah, we will get to the Flint (laughs) and Saginaw deal. Um, A player and a pick for six picks. Um, Yeah, we'll we'll touch on that in in just a second here, Colin. Um, What are some of the headlines you want to you want to run through here? Yeah, I mean, Saginaw obviously continues to struggle. Um, The East does have now is loaded. Um, you could say, I mean, when the last place team currently in the East is four and six, just two games under 500, we were recently on a three game winning streak points, points in three out of their last four games, four out of their last six games. Um, and that's the last place team. It just shows how loaded the East actually is um, this season. It'll be interesting to see who the most establishes and who the last to get established. I think that's what it's going to come down to. And we'll see around December 1st and the American Thanksgiving side of things where teams are. And that's when we're going to have a better read on projections. Who's going to make it, who's not going to make it, who's going to be sellers, who's not going to be sellers Um, come deadline time, just about six weeks from that date, just under six weeks from that date. So that's an interesting one. I mean, obviously Troy Mann going to Kingston. That's a big one. Um, can't wait to talk about that. He's an established coach in the American Hockey League. It'll be an interesting challenge, though, to see how he can adapt to the junior level. It's different, right? You're going from oh, yeah. coaching men to coaching kids that are 16 years old, developing into who he was coaching um, previously. So that'll be interesting. Um, Sault Ste. Marie, Guelph, and Owen Sound. Big weekends in the West. Um, Guelph looks really good right now. Um so that's interesting to see Owen Sound having a big bounce back. They needed that. And then Peterborough continues to win. Peterborough continues to win. So we'll see what happens. I mean, they're not going away anytime soon. I mean, you watch that team play, and they have the big defense. It's a tough team to play against. It's a tough team to get ga- It's a tough team to get any uh, gaps. It's a tough team to get good levels against because, especially on the breakout, because their defense is so big, and they take up a lot of space, and they're big and strong and they come up at the blue line, they'll hit you, um, and they're good with their sticks, they're active. I really like that back end, and I think that's why they're going to win a lot of games, and they're going to get goaltending by Stuska and Bowen. Um, both both guys have had games this year where they've stood on their head, um, and they've done everything they can to win. Possibly they stole one there, but they played good defensively. And the crazy part is Owen Beck's just starting to get hot now, which is scary. There really hasn't been a lot of Owen Beck talk until now. And once he gets going to where you know he will, that's going to be dangerous. And to see where Peterborough is, I mean, they're at the point maybe they pick up a piece at the deadline and they are competitive. So it'll be interesting to see where Peterborough is, but Peterborough with another great weekend. Um, don't be surprised to see him in the power rankings um, later on in the show, possibly on my side of things. I don't know yet how it went. I have it typed out. I don't want to spoil it, but I don't know yet if I have them in or not. But uh, they definitely deserve to be, so we'll see. Yeah, yeah um, deserve to be in the conversation, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and for, they, again, a team that you're like, oh, yeah, get ready on the cell train, Simpson to London. Um, if Beck comes back, he's going somewhere like, oh, maybe not so much. Now you're at that time. You're at that time where, like, with us being with the Bulldogs last year, you're at that time where you're in fourth or fifth of the deadline. It's like, heck, when you got those guys there, yeah. pick up one piece, just one piece. You never know. That that's, could be the difference between winning a round and not winning a round in the first round. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's uh let let's have some fun here, Wardy. Um, yep. impressed versus unimpressed, or impressed or unimpressed. Um, a little little bit of a fun game that Colin Ward has drawn up here. 
um, as we <laughs> we uh, get ready for some trick or treating. I'm avoiding the front door like the plague um, <laughs> on Halloween. I hate handing out candy, in my opinion. Like I just it's always awkward. Like and it, and it's got nothing to do with me hating kids um, or wanting to talk to kids, not wanting to talk to kids. It's it yeah like call on it's it's awkward i don't like doing it like you got to put on a fake Whoa. face and it's like oh you're dressed as spider-man cool and it's like <laughs> you know what that fake cool where you're like wow bro that was so 20 years ago when i was trick-or-treating even though a spider-man <laughs> movie came out within the last three years but um well, I, you know what it's like you know what it's like the most awkward part about halloween is when you get those kids in high school who are going out i mean hey you're never too old to go for man, halloween yeah i never like, was a big fan of going out for halloween to be honest i really wasn't a big halloween fan but the most awkward part when you're handing out candy is when you're in like high school and you got that person that's your age going out trick-or-treating and it's like trick-or-treat and it's like oh hey i saw you in math hey, today yeah. at uh one o'clock um what's up uh, I just got done my math homework. Uh, oh yeah, I still gotta do that yet. You know, it's just awkward. Um, but most definitely, uh, yeah. I, what would you What would you uh, look at as being like grade eight? Like you go from elementary to high school, then you're done. I don't know. That's a, I've always wondered that. Yeah, to be honest, like if someone's gonna put in the effort, I don't care how old you are. If someone's gonna put in the effort to really have like a knockout Halloween costume, if, if you're like, heck. If I can grow a beard, I gotta have a good Halloween costume if I'm going out trick or treating. If yeah, if I, you're growing I, a beard, I, you better be a pirate. Like that yeah. is little to no effort on your part for that costume, at least on the face. All you need is that eye patch, bandana, or a hat. Like, yeah, you know. um, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. My uh, my costumes, my costumes when I did go out, I mean, for school and stuff, especially elementary school, we had those parades and stuff, you know, like oh, for yeah. Halloween. And you, I didn't want to be that, my parent, especially my mom, didn't want me to be that one student that was there just not participating in like grade <laughs> five. Yeah, yeah. She didn't want me to be that kid, especially with my sister would dress up to the nine. Like she would dress up to the nine. Her costumes were always the best in the school, best in the class, um, the whole nine yards. Then there's me who just shows up in jeans and American Eagle t-shirt. Uh, <laughs> that was me. Uh, be. But um, no, um, for the most part, I just throw on a uh, hockey jersey. Oh, yeah. Be a Red Wing. Be yeah. a Blue Jay. Um, well, that's be tough. Peyton Manning. Be Peyton Manning. Um, I was Peyton Manning a lot for Halloween. Um, oh, I had to. He's my guy. Man, I went as Maglio Ordonez one year. That like, with with the, the locks, hair. yeah, with the hair, like That's that was, a, yeah, that was the first Tigers jersey That's I ever cool. had. Um, so That's I mean, that, that was big. Um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, yeah, for me, I think it was sports too. Like, um, went as Superman once, went as Spider Man once. Yeah, um, I went as Pudge Rodriguez. Another like I I threw on a baseball uniform, That's cool. um, Rodriguez jersey, and my catcher's gear. Which sucked, yeah. to be honest. Walking around in catcher's gear sucked. Um, yeah, especially in the vehicles, eh? Yeah. Like, that that time it happened to be, like, a little chillier. So, it actually kept me warm, which was a nice perk. But, like, yeah. it was tough. We had a to couple snow days. Yeah, we, have a, we had a couple uh, snow days there, too, for Halloween, like, growing up. I know, like, when we were kids, like, we had a couple times where it snowed um, here. So, like, that was always, like, interesting to have yeah. um, and to go through. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, I mean, 
me and my brother, because we were twins when we were younger, our parents would always put us in like matching costumes or like similar costumes, like yeah. same theme, I guess you could say. Like I remember we were both Darth Vader one year. Um I'm trying to think what else. Like we were, yeah, like it was trying to think what else like he might have gone as a goalie the year i went as a catcher Um, that's kind of cool yeah just trying to think back i mean when we were like four and five years old we'd be like caterpillars or cows or yeah man i was a cow i was a cow before see hey i was a kangaroo before i was a kangaroo before um yeah as a kid yeah you know i gotta find i know for sure i was a cow i'd have to ask my parents about the they for sure have pictures, but I know for sure I was a cow because the suit was way too big. And, and <laughs> like how you get the hoods, and the yeah. cow would go below my eyes. And then the picture with my sister and I before we we're going out trick or treating, you see the cow like just under my eyes, like <laughs> trying to lift it up with a big smile. Like, let's go. Hey, I, I don't want my picture taken. I don't think anyone wanted their picture taken right before going trick or treating because you want to get out of the house. Big the time. house is beat the, the rushes. It's amazing how you're talking about the kid wanting to leave the house nowadays, but that's one of those situations where you want to leave the house to go try your meeting <laughs> right Man, away. You're so right, <laughs> right yeah. away. Um, so that's kind of fun, but yeah, we got some treats. We'll start with the treats, I guess, in the OHL. Yeah, and then we'll end with the tricks. Yeah, uh, you want to go first? Do one each. We can rotate. Do sure. two each, I guess. Yeah, so you can. Do- you can start her off. Forty, your idea. All right, I'm gonna go with the Kitchener Rangers. Um. Kitchener Rangers, you know, uh, best goal differential right now. Um, the shots—they're out shooting every team they play. They're out yeah. playing every team. They're having out—they're out possessioning every team they play so far. They have a big game on Sunday against London Knights, which is going to be a fun game to watch. Um, but the Kitchener Rangers, to me, are my biggest treat right now on come Halloween season, just because mm-hmm. no one picked them there. And it's another team that people owe apologies to in the Kitchener Rangers. Everyone wrote them off. Stop. Um, yeah. They got guys there. They got guys. They have potentially the top defenseman in the league this year. As Reese says, the top defenseman in the league this year. Um, But that's a good team. That's a good team, and they've earned it. Um, So my treat, I guess, in the Western Conference is going to be the Kitchener Rangers. Yeah, I like that pick, and I think that's a – I don't want to say it's an easy pick because it really isn't, but at the same time, like, they're – they're, yeah, they're one of the best teams in the league, hands down. I mean, you continue to look at the power play percentage for them. We'll round up from 23.9 to 24. Um, you know, with a team that's been on the PK um, a lot more as well. So their, pa- their penalty kill getting a lot, of, a lot of work. So special teams I've really enjoyed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my, my biggest treat this year, I would say... Um, you know, it's honestly, it's Mississauga Steelheads. Um, and, and that's not me saying that they never had a chance to be in the top four in the Eastern Conference because um, I knew they were going to be competitive. But you have two goaltenders that are a first and second year goaltender um, in, in Ivan Kovic and Leanders. Um, you know, a, a team that very much so sold last year to A, help other teams around the league, but to also help their future. Um, and just the, the way that they've been able to play as, as a group, the way the goaltenders have been a nice one, a one B together this season, uh, you know, starting the season seven and three uh, or last 10, they're seven and three, they're 10 and three to start the season. 
power play is up over 27%. The PK is at 84. They are the most penalized team in the Ontario Hockey League. Only team over 200 penalty minutes. Um, and they, they've just been impressive right from the start. And it's kind of, it, it's not Ottawa last year, but it's pretty darn close, I, I would say, the way the way the Sealheads have started the year. Yeah, 100%. Um, Mississauga looks really good. Um and I mean Sunday's contest for that matter, it was very impressive. Or yeah. Saturday's contest against Kingston. Um, that was very impressive because Kingston had momentum in that game and just the ability to show off their depth. It was like nice try, right? Like, yeah, nice try. Um, so uh that depth is there, and they're they're very well rounded right now in Mississauga. So let's see if they can continue that. I can't wait to see them play Peterborough play North Bay, play Sudbury. I can't wait for them to play those games, see where they're at, and yep. uh, then we'll see. But uh, right now the depth is there, so everyone's happy in Mississauga. But, hey, fans, show up. Um, <laughs> back-to-back weeks, we'll have – wait, you know what? Man, what a, was that? We should do an advertisement for Mississauga. on Saturday? Steelhead. Yeah, there's there, not a there chance there's 1,200 people there. Maybe Come 400. Like, Maybe 400. No. Um, <laughs> but we can, do, we can do an advertisement every time we mention the Mississauga Steelheads this week. Uh, we'll mention go to the games. Um, just go to the oh, games. Geez, They're a great teams. That was your first gaff with the new mic. That was loud. <laughs> was it? Yeah. Oh wow. Hey, you know what? Go to the games. Um, go to the games and uh, get in on the action because they are a really good team. And I was talking about it on the weekend where it's too bad Mississauga never put in for the Memorial Cup. What mm-hmm. a great opportunity to revolve the franchise there. You know, on a one-year deal with the with the city um, slash arena slash team. Um, that would be a great opportunity for them to revive it. Yeah. But I, we'll see. I, I wonder if they wouldn't give it to them because they've had it within the last, was it 15 years? They've had it. Was it 2011? I believe that they had the Memorial cup. Um, I, I, I almost think that's, that would be a reason why they wouldn't get it. Um, yeah, London got it pretty quick though. Oh, true. Four, oh, five, oh, five to 2016. That's true. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're right about that. Um, yeah, 2011 Mem Cup played in, uh, played in Mississauga. I mean, it's, it's really tough to compare London and Mississauga. Um, yeah. I, so I, I mean, I, I'd say franchise success has a lot to do with that. Um, but I mean, that's a, that's a very good point. Like, you know, I, I've always said good things about the, I, I still like Hershey Center. I think that's a better name. Um, obviously, Sam here going to the chocolate bar. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you pay more money than the other guy, then you deserve the right to have your name on the building. But at the uh, at the Paramount Fine Food Center, it, it's still a nice building. I, I still very much enjoy going there. Um, yeah, there's, I mean, it's tough to say there's an atmosphere because there really isn't. Um, but but if there is, it's it would be a pretty sweet place to play. Um and, and go to attend a game. So yeah, I mean, I I agree. Like the start to the year has kind of justified people going to games. Like it justifies you taking three to four hours out of your Saturday afternoon slash evening to go to the game yeah. and not watch the Maple Leafs for once. I know that might be hard, people, but the world doesn't revolve around the Maple Leafs, and well, they haven't won anything in a whole long time. And Mississauga has been to a couple of finals, as I mentioned last week. So, um, yeah, I mean, shout out to them for starting the games on Saturdays at four. Um, cause that's, that's big, that's smart, but, yeah. uh, 
yeah, I mean, people got to go. Like, A, 1,200 fans were not there on Saturday. I don't know who put that, but not even close. Um, but, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. It really is. Well, 100%. Um, on to Team 2 for us? Yeah. Um, team 2 for me is a tough one because there's so many teams that deserve to be mentioned. And, I mean, you have two, three teams here that are automatic, right? You see Guelph having a big year, Sue having a big year, Sarnia. Impressing yeah. so far, North Bay. I mean, I'm going to go with the Peterborough Peets. Um, Peterborough, as mentioned before, early on in this segment, we talked about Peterborough. How we said they were, how everyone wrote them off this year, right? Oh, they're going to sell. They sold Simpson. Who else is next? Um, who's on the chopping block? But to be honest, they added more depth in the goaltending crease. You could say Stuska and Bowen. You have a one A one B situation there. You yeah. have a healthy competition, which a lot of young teams tend to do. They want competition. That's how they get better. That's how you see guys turn into being superstars in the league because they're getting pushed every day in practice, not just in the games. Yeah. And you constantly have that guy at your shoulder level, not just over your shoulder um, or under your shoulder. But uh, there's a uh, there's a sense of competition around the facility, around the Peterborough Pete's that you see game in game out. I mean, their plus minus isn't great. Um, plus four on the year, their goal differential. But it's a team that's impressive to me. Um, they work hard. Their defensive core is solid. I mean, I just think naturally when you're that big, you're going to uh, fill up a lot of space. It's going to be no easy entries. You're going to limit the team's breakout. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, the four check's got to be a lot harder against them, and now they're experienced. A lot of their core guys um, back there going through that championship run, the Memorial Cup run last year. Um, I like Peterborough. So Peterborough is my second treat, yeah, my Eastern Conference treat that isn't Mississauga. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I uh, again, that's another solid pick. They lead the division. Um, they've given up the least amount of goals in the Eastern Conference, second least amount of goals um, in the Ontario Hockey League overall at 31. Um, yeah, there's, least amount of regulation losses too. Yeah, they've uh, they've done a nice job, and I mean, points in their last four games, three zero and one. It's been it's been a solid start for the Peterborough Peets. Um, you know, and again, you, you're going to get to a certain point where you got to make a choice um, about what you're going to do. And, and I mean, based on what we saw with the Bulldogs, they're in a way better position than the Bulldogs were, I would say, um, you know, coming off a championship and thinking about what do we do? I, at this point in the year, I'd say it was probably a little bit easier for the Bulldogs to know what they were going to do compared to what, what the Peets are going to do. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's, uh, they've definitely taken advantage of getting off to a hot start and, and making sure you're near the top heading into American Thanksgiving in the beginning of December, that kind of crucial time when a lot of teams start to lose guys for the world juniors. So, um, yeah, no, I, I like that pick Wardy, um, which, you know, would normally trump me to go Sue Greyhounds at the second team, um, with my second treat, but I'm going with the Guelph Storm. Um, like you know, that. eight and four, uh, 16 points on the year two two behind the, the Kitchener Rangers, albeit with a game in hand. So it kind of uh, may even out depending on the, the next game for the storm. But, um, you, you look at, they've only given up 24 goals this year, only 24. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that has to do with Gillespie, the way he's played recently. Um, he, he has been very good in the net for the Guelph storm. They're six and four in their last 10. They won their final game of the weekend. Uh, power play way above 28% at 28.6 penalty kill is over 90%. Um, it seems like they're hitting on a lot of, lot of very important parts of their game early on. Uh, and I mean, 
George Burnett teams. We've talked about this uh, earlier on this season in, in a couple of the previous shows, just about the way George Burnett runs his teams and the way that he expects all of the players to, um, to play for him and play, play under him, albeit, you know, not the head coach, but, but still, you know, you have that impact of just being the general manager um, and, you know, having that confidence in, in Chad to, to go ahead and lead the roster and, and put a good product on the ice. And Guelph has, has, has done a nice job of that. I mean, a lot of people expected them to be good this year, to compete at the top of the Midwest division, top of the Western Conference, top four. Um, but, I mean, that you've only given up 24 goals in 12 games. You're averaging two goals against a game. Like, you're going to win nine, yeah. nine out of ten games um, when you only give up two. Oh, 100%. And uh, they're a very solid team. And, I mean, Guelph, I mean, they've really played well. Um and it's a team where last year there's another one, right? Lever, they make the questionable decision in the offseason with Lever. Yeah. There's questions in net, but it's just a conference, just the front office and coaching staff, knowing their system, knowing what they have there in their roster. Um, it's which is very solid. And by the way, Reese, a quick uh pick update on Mississauga. I just yeah. want to mention this. The Mississauga Steelheads right now have one second round pick this year in the draft a third round, no fourth or fifth, but they have three sixth. Next year, they have four second round picks for the wow. 2025 draft. So there's a potential there to really load up if they want to. They're in a very good spot oh, yeah. if they want to be. So look out there. I just want to mention that one um, on the Saginaw, or on the Mississauga Steelheads because the Saginaw Spirit are definitely going to have an interesting one when we talk about that yeah. um, pretty, pretty yeah, soon, I, I would imagine. I was going to say, yeah, you plan it out, go for it this year or next or both. And then, yeah. yeah, And then you you have a whole new rookie class coming in together. Oh, there's your next core. Oh, that worked out, didn't it? Hey, get out, get all fives, get all fives. You're good for this year and next year. Um, Go all in on all fives of your Mississauga. Um, But Guelph's in that boat too, as well. And I mean, the big thing is with Guelph. If they're in it, if they keep playing this way, and it's a long ways to go, but if they're playing this way c- come February and they get Cam Allen back, yeah. a healthy Cam Allen, look out. I was going to say, they're, they're not getting your, Quatra back. One of your mo- more favorite defensemen in the league. Like, yeah, he had, a, he had a rough year last year, but his rookie season was definitely a standout. Yeah. Um, but I really, I, I'm a big Cam Allen fan. It'll be interesting to see what he does when he comes back. But if he's healthy, look out. Yeah. Um, because that's a definite boost and might be one of the best boosts post deadline by any team would be that move. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're not giving anything up. That's nice. But um, sure. yeah, those um, are good. Aren't? Yeah. Let's uh, let's head to the tricks here. We've got about five and a half minutes to go before so we, one trick before we chat to Dol- uh, chat with Joel. Jeez. That was a nice tongue twister. Um, yeah. Let's go. Let's go one trick each here. And then, and then, yeah, we'll, we'll chat with Joel, but uh, yeah. Who's your, who's your trick. And I think it's pretty obvious the way that uh, we didn't go through the trade. Um, so <laughs> take it away, Colin. Yeah, my trick is the Saginaw Spirit. You're hosting the Memorial Cup, and the team is overpaying for a guy that has four points in 12 games this year, 23 points in 69 career games in Ethan Hay. I'm not saying Ethan Hay is a bad player, but if you're going to give up, do you have the picks, Reese, that they gave yeah. up? Yeah, yeah, I've got all six picks they have given up. Absolutely. I'll read through can them you, for you right yeah, now. Yeah, can you name the picks? Um, so Ethan Hay goes to Saginaw for a Sarnia sixth in 2024. Um, Saginaw sends to Flint their second round pick in 2024. 
North Bay's third round pick in 2024, Sarnia's seventh round pick in 2025, Barry's third round pick in 2026, Kitchener's second round pick in 2027, and Saginaw's fifth round pick in 2027. So only two picks are Sarnia's or Saginaw's. Um, yep. One Sarnia's actually, but um, you know, if a few of them are a few years out, but you're giving up a second and a third that, albeit it was North Bay's, yeah. but you're giving up two high picks in the upcoming 100%. draft. 100%. There's many ways to go after this trade. One, I think for Saginaw's position, if you're going to give up that many picks, and I say this in quotes, in capital letters, that guy. Is that the guy? Because when you're making a move like this, I'm going to mention a trade last year, Reese, and um, I'll just mention the picks, who, what they gave up for this player, in my opinion, was that guy. Artem Guriev, a third-round pick and a second-round pick that was Hamilton's now Branford's in 2024 in a third-round pick. That was a Brennan Othman deal that happened last November on November 13th, which is very close to see. I would imagine the Saginaw Spirit try to do another move before Christmas time and around that time zone, yep. um, especially to get back in it. That was for Brennan Othman. Artem Gurry have a great player, right? You had to give up a player to limit the picks, which Peterborough did, and they, they later were able to get Avery Hayes and Gavin White and Owen Beck and so on and so on. But in a way... Is Ethan Hay that guy? In my opinion, right now, he is not. And that's no knock on him. That's no knock on him. He has four points in 12 games this year. If you're going to give up that many picks, in my opinion, that's an overpay. It is an overpay by the Saginaw Spirit. When you're hosting Memorial Cup um, and you're making moves like that, to me, it's a sign of panic already this year. It's a sign of panic on the year already, and there's a lot of pressure as you you sit in ninth place in the Western Conference. That's not even on a playoff spot. Yeah. That, to me, is very concerning. It has trick written all over it. Um, it's no offense, but Saginaw, in my opinion, Hache, you go get you go with a captain. You name Hache the captain. What was their cap? What was their room like when they put him for the Mem Cup? If you trade for a guy and name him captain right away, that's rare. That's rare to see. Um, I don't know. I think a peak tour, I think. Saginaw kind of peaked too early. I think next year's their year with Mies in his draft year. Parrick already drafted as a first-round pick in the National Hockey League. I think there's your chance. But I don't know. You flip Mintikoff, right? You get all those picks from Mintikoff last year, and now Ethan Hay is part of that player mm-hmm. that you used a couple of those picks on. I don't know. Like, if you're going to trade a franchise player like Mitikoff was, you got to turn this into something that is going to be beneficial for the long run and something that makes you dramatically better. Yeah. Are they dramatically better right now? We'll see. Their penalty kill has been good um, so far this year, Saginaw. But to me, right now, when I watch them play, they just look like a me- mediocre team. Um, I'm if I'm a team like Kitchener, like Guelph and that Western Conference, Sault St. Marie, especially, um, heck, even the London Knights. Um, if I'm one of those teams, I'm not worried going into Saginaw on the matchup. I'm just not. So I'm not worried about a 16 year old matching up against uh Easton yeah. Cow and Denver Barkey. Yeah. Um, so I'll ask you this as a follow up to, to that previous point there. 
Um, do you think set? And I don't want to say they're trying to be Peterborough because Peterborough was a fourth place team last year. Yeah. But do you think it's a situation? They struggled. And you could even, you, oh, after the deadline, absolutely. Um, but do you think it's a situation where um, it, it was kind of the Tampa Bay Lightning every year where we just want to get in? Who cares where it is? We just want to get in. Albeit, the they're Red not Wings. good enough right now to be in the position like that. Um, yeah. But do you think that might be the plan? Is they don't care where they finish in the standings? It's just a matter ah. of getting in you know i watched spirit rising episode two episode two came out last week great show last tuesday evening or wednesday evening um great show chl tv ohl youtube you can find that there great episode behind the scenes this year in the second spirit host memorial cup training camp they're on i their expectation obviously is to win they want to win they want to get in the right way and i think with the pressure I think with the pressure right now, there's got to be a little bit of an embarrassment. Maybe not embarrassment yet, but there's definitely a ton of pressure. There's most definitely a lot of pressure right now on Saginaw. If you're a Saginaw spirit leader and you're supposed to be a performer on that team and your numbers are kind of down, I'd be nervous. I'd be nervous because then you start to look at, all right, we just traded a lot of picks for a guy that has four points in 12 games combined with the teams this year. Albeit he's only played two games with Saginaw, but, um, four points in 12 games this year. We just traded for that. Um, my job could be on the line. Uh, yeah. My team needs picks. We just gave up a lot of picks. If I'm the fifth or sixth forward on the Saginaw Spirit right now, and if I'm the Saginaw GM and I can get make a move like that, I'm going to do it. So we'll see what happens. But that's most definitely a concern if you're Saginaw right now. It is most definitely a concern, and um, it definitely has to be corrected here. Um going into the Thanksgiving holiday in the States. If it's, if they are not in the top six teams in the Western conference in three weeks time, I am nervous if I'm Saginaw. Yeah. Because that's when you know what your team is. If you're, if you're hosting Memorial cup and you're not established. And I mean, heck a lot of Memorial cup teams aren't established till after the deadline. Anyways, when you look at the moves they make, especially last year in the, in the dub, I mean, trading first round picks is absolutely a disgrace. Um, it makes no sense to me because, I mean, you see guys, you see like three first-round picks getting traded, and you see the first three picks in the queue being all on one team. Um, yep. You know, so that's that's interesting to me, but I don't think it's right. But I don't know. I really don't know. And we'll see. Saginaw has a tendency to be really good. They're good at development. Um, they're always competitive. But this is a concern to start the year. This is a concern. In the first month, this is most definitely a trick. Uh, for me quickly here, before we get to Joel, um, for me, it's the Windsor Spitfires, the team that is right behind the Saginaw spirit. Um, you know, I've, you've scored 41 goals. I'm not saying like they can't score this year. They're just giving up way too many. You've yeah, given man. up 68 goals to start the year. hundred percent. Like, like the pucks got to stay out of your net. Like that I, game Saturday. How do you lose that? Oh game my God. Holy crap. How do you no lose kidding. that game? Seven, six. Yeah. When you're up six, four, how do you lose that game? Seven, six. Yeah. Um, I that's a good one, especially with the talent they have. They're not that they have more talent than blowing a two-goal lead in the third period. And Niagara had the comeback. I mean, to get the extra point was huge, but they have more talent than that. I agree with you 100 percent Yeah. No, they it's it's they are so far away from what a lot of people had them. And we're not talking about a team that was going to be a division winner. We're not talking about a team that was going to be Western Conference champions. We're not gonna talk about a team that was winning an OHL championship. 
we're talking about a team that was going to be middle to bottom um, of the Western Conference. Now, um, you know, I had them getting in. I thought they were going to at least get into the playoffs. They're far from that right now. I mean, three points, okay. But talent-wise, they're and, and the way they're playing, they're far from it. Um, yeah. You know, and, and unfortunately, you can kind of see it in the stands as well. Um, you know, not that Windsor has always shown up throughout the entire season, um, you know, for, for many years at a time, but you're kind of starting to see it where the results aren't there and, you know, maybe the most people aren't showing up that, that usually do. Um, and you know, they have a lot to figure out. The goaltending has been atrocious. Um, special teams has not been good. 11% on the power play, 78%, um, on the PK. And I mean, talking about power play, they aren't the worst team in the league on the power play. Um, that belongs to Flint at 6%. Um, and then Brantford at 8.5. Yeah. Some of these power plays right now are atrocious. Like, I mean, it's not just Windsor on the power play, but, but there are a lot of other categories where you're like, what the heck is going on at the Wafku center? Like, what, what are you guys doing? Like, I just, I just had them better to be a little bit better than they are. Um, and they haven't shown it. And they're, they're one, they're my trick this year because, um, Windsor always has a competitive team on the ice. And I, I thought there's been a lot of games where they just weren't, weren't competitive. So yeah, 100%. Have to think, is that the coaching change you think? Uh, I, I mean, it, yeah, That's how good Mark Savard was. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Eh? Um, especially the impact he, he had two division titles and he was only here for two years. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, that, that could easily be it. You know, a new guy trying to trying to really figure it out and try and, um, you know, get the team to believe in his philosophy. I mean, you know, obviously, like you said, with, with Mark Savard, a lot of people are, or on the train of having his system in place, albeit really change the culture. Yeah. albeit different players. Um, but yeah, something's got to change. And I mean, I don't know if it's a, you know, what we saw in Kitchener last year where guys just weren't buying in and they were playing for themselves. I don't think it's that, but I, I mean, I think it's a matter of a coach having to try and get the room all together. Um, you know, we talked about the Mississauga Steelheads, how they just play as a team. Like you really don't look at, look for guys to, try and have a great individual effort every night. You can tell they play as one team. Yeah. Now James Richardson coach that so that helps, but um like Windsor looks far from that. They look far from a team that understands playing cohesively and playing <laughs> as one is. unit. Yeah, like it's they I think they're struggling for that right now. Um I agree. And first of all, you got to start with keeping the puck out of your mouth. Um, I think you start there. I don't think you try for more goals because uh, again, they're not the least. They haven't scored the least amount of goals in the in the regular season so far. So that's not. I don't. I wouldn't say that's really an issue. It's just keeping it out of your net. So you start there, and then and then kind of work your way up. But it's it's got to happen soon, 100%. in my opinion. Or you might see some very uh, very good talent leave the spits to go. You know, Ultimate. I'm not saying they're going to leave, but you know, for trades for teams that are that are contending. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, and hey, maybe maybe they just need a defensive coach. And I mean, we'll talk soon with Joel Vanderland, but uh yeah, Troy about Troy Mann. But we'll see what's up with Kingston. But yeah, maybe they just need a defensive structure more, be better defensively and uh stick to their structure, but we'll see. Um and maybe maybe Mark Savard was the Deion Sanders before Deion Sanders got to college football. Um with the energy, yeah. with the culture. I mean, being around and the swagger. 
Yeah, that swagger, right? Like, it's that swagger there with Windsor. Yeah. Um, is it still there, right? I mean, he rode his horses there, right? Maggio, a big piece there. Johnson, Cooley the year before. Yeah. Um, they rode their pieces, so we'll see what happens here. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. But, I mean, it'll be interesting to hear about uh, Kingston in a few minutes as well. Yeah. Which, uh, speak, speaking of Cooley, I have a Will Cooley bobblehead um, in a Windsor Spitfire superhero jersey. How did you acquire that? I have no idea how I got that. I feel like it was my Your grandpa. Brother? So, oh, so it was yeah. either my brother or my grandpa. Um, my grandpa is very famous for, you know, yeah, and Colin and I will experience that on November 9th, uh, Montreal and Detroit Thomas Holmstrom bobblehead night, um, which what up game time will be hitting you up soon. Um, but uh, my, my grandpa was very famous for, there's one person on my left handing something out and there's one person on my right handing something out. You put both hands out or arms outstretched and try and grab one on each side. My grandpa was big for that. Um, yeah. He was very good at acquiring more than one. So that's probably where I got it from. Um, but it's just a tiny thing. It's it's that like it's not one of the typical ones. It's small, but it, that's it, cool. Though. Yeah, it, it fits well. I have a Taylor Hall bobblehead as well from Windsor uh, from his Jersey retirement night. So that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, I, I got to get a McTavish one from the Bulldogs. I'll have to try. I know how to acquire one. Uh-huh. Same here. Yeah, they're all over the place. Right. Just gonna have to go in the office and say, "Hey, can I hey, read what up?" No, no, no. Yeah, no, we won't do that. Um, well, but we'll figure out a way. We'll try. We'll try and get one. Um, for sure. But yeah, no, I mean that that was a fun segment, Wardy. Thanks for thanks for coming up with that. That was good. Our our tricks and treats to to start the OHL season. Who uh, who we've been impressed by? Who we have been unimpressed by and that's uh that was a good conversation leading into another one and that happens after the break joel vanderland joins us to discuss all things troy man all things kingston frontenacs maybe we'll hit on quinty a little bit joel being a big yeah. Quinty guy yeah um, no, you know what yeah the OHA. The season so um yeah. yeah i'm sure sure we'll get into that as well so after the break joel vanderland joins the show to discuss troy man the Kingston Frontenacs, and Quinty next here on the OHL in 60 podcast. Welcome back to the OHL in 60 podcast. I'm Reese Demaney along with Colin Ward. Second segment of the show. We're going to welcome a third voice onto the program, and he's a friend of the show, uh, Joel Vanderland, um, formerly with the with the Belleville Senators, and he's going to give us a little bit of insight on Troy Mann, Kingston Frontenacs, and I'm sure we'll hit on a, in a little Red Devils news as well, Joel. Um, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, how you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Good to to be back with you guys. Yeah, yeah it's uh, been too long. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's jump right into it. Uh, last two years with the with the Belleville Senators, um, just kind of outline for everybody what what the role looked like for you and kind of what uh, what year you were in charge of uh, with the Belleville Sens. Yeah, so I was uh, communications and content coordinator with the Belleville Center, so I was doing a lot of writing. Uh, I even got my broadcast hat on a little bit, uh, doing color commentary for a couple games. So, um, yeah, kind of, I guess you guys have kind of seen with your time with with the Brantford Bulldogs, kind of 
the the media accreditation, the the post game recaps, uh, helping helping with a lot of that stuff as well. Um, making sure press releases are going out, uh, helping kind of in that vein as well. So a lot of that, a lot of writing, uh, and then uh, kind of helping uh, with with the media side as well. How uh, how do you like the color commentary? I liked it. It was good, and uh, I think I think a lot of it. Uh, David Foot, who, who's with Bill Sen's uh, manager of broadcasting communications, there he's uh, he's a pro's pro, so it made it easier to to get into the booth and uh, yeah, a little bit of nerves off the bat there, but uh, calmed me down. And uh, when when he got a good broadcaster, uh, it it kind of all flows nicely uh, together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's funny we talk about this, and I mean we're not going to get into specifics about. You know, the releasing and stuff last year with Troy Mann, but Troy Mann coming over to Kingston, it was kind of the talk of the town. Well, I know last Tuesday when he was hired, um, we didn't want to talk about it too much last Monday night when we recorded, but Tuesday afternoon it gets announced Troy Mann is the next head coach of the Kingston Frontenacs. He was around the Kingston Frontenacs last year in the second half of the year a lot. Um, there's that communication there, them and Kingston being so close to Belleville. Um, Troy Mann, I mean, very strict, uh, very strict high structured guy in your opinion what does Troy Mann bring to the table yeah I think you you hit on it right there a structural integrity right you're, you're going to play with structure you're going to play the right way um, players love him uh, players coach but also you, you talk about there's a right way to do things there, there's a wrong way to do things and uh, he's going to make sure that, that they're doing the right things and um, good offensive head coach as well um, which I think we saw in his first game through for five on the power play so they're going to get that clicking. They got some really good high-end uh, offensive players in that in that room already. That he's got to get them going. Matthew Soto, going out water. They got to get going here, and uh, I think I think Troy is going to get them on the right track pretty soon. Absolutely. I mean, you see the suspension come down, but guys like Maddox Collins as well, right? You got one point on the year right now in like nine games. I mean, that's not good enough for an overager. And I mean, him. I think the one adjustment. It's interesting to hear your opinion on this. We talked about this in the first segment here about Troy, but the ability to adapt right as a coach. I mean, for recent, I've been around Jay McKee a lot. You hear stories about that. Jay McKee coming into the NHL with Lindy Ruff. Lindy Ruff has certainly evolved as a coach um, for Troy Mann, for instance, right? You go from coaching men to coaching 16 year olds, but also you're coaching 20 year olds who are struggling right now that are overagers on your team. That's a big aspect. How do you expect him to adapt with the younger play? Yeah, I think that's, that's a valid question, right? And, I think you look at it and he's got the developmental background. I think people think that about the AHL, right? It, it's kind of an older league, but a lot of the guys he was doing with in Belleville, right? He's got Roby Arventi. He comes in as a 19-year-old, 20-year-old. He's developing him. Some of these other guys, Ridley Gregg, Josh Norris, Drake Batherson. So uh, a little bit different development uh, kind of path for, for those pros as, as they've kind of hit on that junior development already. But uh, I, I think it's not really for him. I think he's going to keep to that strategy that he had in the American Hockey League when he developed those guys. And um, yeah, I think you you got always have to adjust. But um, uh, and maybe the wording's a little bit different. The style's a little bit different. Obviously, yeah. Um, these guys have to have to go to school still and, and do all that. But uh, I think at the end of the day, he is a very good developer, and he showed that at the American Hockey League level. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, and kind of a my question piggybacks off of that. Um, in the OHL, you you've heard before where you hire a coach because you're ready to win, 
you hire a coach because you just won and the guy moved on. So you need a guy to develop, um, you know, just, just the past of certain coaches, they've been better at, at one or the other. You mentioned about, um, you know, Troy having younger players in Belleville. And, you know, of course you still have guys that are, I mean, it's probably easy to say that everybody still wants to be a regular NHL or no matter what level you're at in the American hockey league, even if you've been there for, 15 years or you've been there for five games. You want to, you want to get back to the NHL and try and be a regular NHL or um, in, in your opinion with the, the last two years in Belleville is Troy the guy, and I'm not saying Kingston's in a position to win an OHL championship right now. Um, but in, in your opinion, is he a, yes, I'm ready to win. Let's push it. Let's try and get as far as we can to win as much as possible. Or is he, um, you know, able to take a step back and understand that the organization isn't ready to be there and win a championship yet. Um, what's your What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think with him, uh, I talked to him uh, about a year or so ago now, and it was after his 500th career uh, American Hockey League game. And I said, we were talking to him, and the, basically the main thing he said was, Along the way, I'm trying to develop guys. That's the main goal. I'm trying to get guys to the NHL, and I'm trying to win a Calder Cup championship along the way. Right. So I think he's going to have that kind of same mentality in the OHL where it's okay. Development is going to help us win in the end, right? And uh, knowing Troy, and you guys will eventually get to know him a little bit throughout the league, he wants to win, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also, at the heart of it, a very good man, uh, a good family-oriented man too. So. Uh, he's going to take those characteristics to these players and, and pass that on as well. And you got to be good in the community first. You got to be good in the classroom. You got to be good on the ice. That's going to help the development. And if you can keep those three things in line, you're probably going to win some hockey games along the way as well. Yeah, 100%. You know, the thing with Kingston that really is a big one too. I mean, playing their rivals like Ottawa, the Oshawa's, the Peterboroughs. You know all about this, playing Laval, playing the Toronto Marlies is a big one. Rivalries for Troy. He's got that fire in him, right? How much is that to really get Kingston back into that rivalry set and be competitive against their rivalries? And how important is it for him to have these rivalries and to perform well against them, as you saw against the Toronto Marlies? Yeah, I think that's the thing is, especially you got to learn how to beat your rivals, right? You play them so much and, and you got to be hyper-focused in those situations. And um, You had a good track record against both those hockey clubs, like you mentioned, the Laval Rocket and the Toronto Marlies, because you do so much film study and that shows how how, how good he is at that side of, of the coaching as well as putting the players in, in the right position, um, going through the video sessions and all that as well. So. Uh, I think to your point, Colin, I, I think that's a big thing. I, I think he's he's going to be ready for those games. And uh, I think uh, it's a little bit of a, a feather in his cap to beat the Oshawa Generals in, in game one for him. And uh, maybe not the ending uh, with the suspension he wanted, but I think that's part of it too, is, is they are going to be an aggressive hockey team and they aren't going to back down from anybody. Yeah, 100% there. And, uh, you know, it's important to beat your rivalries. rivals. As you know, the Kansas State Chiefs go down on Sunday. I am now 1-0 <laughs> against Taylor Swift. And you are going to be 1-0 against the Dallas Cowboys next week as an Eagles fan. So congratulations on that. Um, I don't Thank care you. about Dallas. I don't care about Dallas, and I'll just say it how it is with that one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, 
we speak of his track record, right, with Troy. He's won where he's went. He's developed where he's been. Speak about um Troy and his track record. I mean, we already kind of talked about that a little bit, but what's his track record coming into Kingston? Yeah, so he was in Hershey uh, for a long while there as an assistant coach and as a head coach. And uh, as an assistant, he won, he won a Calder Cup. And then he was able to take the reins as the head coach there. And that shows his development going from, from an assistant coach to a head coach position. And um, really good track record. Won the Atlantic Division twice. Um, got his team to a Calder Cup Finals. Lost to the, the Lake Erie Monsters. Um, but winning along the way also developing along the way, as we mentioned, um, helping Washington kind of build out that depth of their Stanley Cup roster, helping to get uh, nine players uh, on that Washington Capitals Stanley Cup team, uh, Stanley Cup rings ultimately. So uh, I think we talk about the track record there. Really, really well-liked in Hershey and really good results. Comes over to Belleville, smaller market in the American Hockey League. Same thing, starts developing right away, starts getting that franchise going, winning a lot of hockey games along the way, getting that team uh, into the playoffs twice. Uh, the one obviously canceled due, due to COVID restrictions. But that year, first in the Eastern Conference, you got Josh Norris, Drake Batherson, uh, setting all kinds of records for the franchise. So uh, I think when you look back over his track record and, and the, the amount of games he's able to win and, and the guys he's been able to, to get full-time NHL roles, it's, it's quite impressive. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think the big one, we talked about this after the first question, actually. We talked about the change, right? Guys underperforming, that usually sparks a change at the front, and it's usually not the GM midseason. It's usually the head coach. You see where Kingston kind of was, right? These guys are underperforming. It looked like they weren't really stuck in the defensive side of things. You know, it looked like they just had to defend instead of willing to defend, you know? Like, there's a difference, right? It's a mindset there, and... To me, what kind of system are you getting that trap slash man system where, okay, no easy entries here. We're going to have that third forward back. We'll have three back, two on the four check hard. What type of system are you expecting to see change here in Kingston? If not, we've already kind of saw it, but very small sample size right so far. Yeah, so he's kind of, as you alluded to, he's from that that Barry Trotz, Bruce Boudreaux kind of, um, Washington kind of tree i guess yeah. tree. um so yeah they, like in belleville too they played a, a unique um neutral zone aside from most teams in, in the ahl and, and i think i'm not obviously we're gonna have to watch and see what he wants to develop yeah. in, in kingston with uh different personnel and and a younger set of players but i will say i i expect him to be aggressive um on the fourth check uh, and then i and i would also expect that defense, it, he's very detail-oriented. So I think the thing you, you got to think about with Troy is he's going to allow his players to take those offensive opportunities when when they come to, to them. He's also yeah. going to make sure that they're playing in, in their structural integrity. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does in Kingston. I, I know in Belleville, they, play, they played in a unique uh, kind of neutral zone, kind of tried to trap teams out at times. So um, yeah, I, I think when you look at at the way he's done it, um, I think a, a good way to to kind of think about it would be a Bruce Boudreaux, Barry Trotz kind of uh, style of hockey. And I mean, you see around the OHL, right? You score three hundred goals in the OHL, you're going to be a cup contender in the Ontario Hockey League, the American Hockey League. What type of goal scoring teams were the Belleville Senators and the Hershey Bears that he coached? Are they high scoring in the league or? 
Yeah, I, I think it depends. It floated here. Um, I think at times uh, when they had the personnel, when they had Josh Norris, when they had Drake Batherson, they were leading yeah, the league in, in scoring, right? So um, obviously he's an offensive kind of coach. Um, he had Dave Bell running his defense there, now the head coach in um, in Belleville. So I, I think he leaned on him a lot too to, for his defensive style and um, yeah, I think w- when you talk about winning hockey, you usually talk about putting up pretty substantial offensive numbers and yeah. you have those guys that can lead the bus and get going. And I, I don't see why Paul Ludwinski, Matt Soto, Ethan Miedema, these guys can't be up there in, in scoring title races and um, and getting going um, and kind of helping him to establish that, that offensive uh, mindset that he wants to. And you saw Soto in the summer, right, in Buffalo um, at summer camp. I mean, that's a guy high skill. They have a lot of the guys with high skill, but what stands out to you about Matthew Soto? I mean, what makes you think that he can turn the curve here and really get things going? Yeah, I saw him at the the rookie showcase there in Buffalo with, with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And um, I, I think when you look at Matt Soto, I, I think the thing that kind of jumps off the page is he's a really good skater, first of all. And um, really strong offensive instincts, and I'm not I'm not entirely sure why the points aren't coming for him right to start the season. Um, but I, I think the thing what you want to do is, like all good offensive players, I think the confidence starts to flow. We talked about the power play; they got that going. They got a really good power play, so uh, start putting pucks in that, start putting up some points, start winning hockey games. Uh, I think for him, it's going to come together pretty quickly. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, um, Joel, Joel, I want to ask you quickly another one on, on Troy here. Um, you know, it, it was kind of an odd thing to see pop up on Twitter. Um, of course, the day they hired Troy Mann, you're like, oh, okay, all right. So, um, you know, after Luca Caputi got uh, relieved of his duties. And then on the 26th, you see another um another article pop up on twitter front max announced change to coaching staff and you're thinking again um but it, ju- <laughs> it just so happened that uh john mcfarland had uh had relinquished his role as an assistant coach um you know obviously we don't know what went on um behind the scenes with, with him leaving after uh troy was was brought in but um in your opinion of troy is he a guy that likes to um, go out and make sure he has guys that he knows well, that he knows he can work with. Um, like, whereas that could be a situation here where maybe it just John didn't see a fit with Troy moving down the road. Like, um, how how is Troy with his with his fellow coaches and and the rest of his staff? Like, how well how well does he communicate with them? Yeah, it's. Um, I, I think for me with, with Troy, and I don't know specifics on. Mm-hmm on inner workings of him and his staff per se behind closed doors or anything like that. Um, I'll, I'll speak for myself. Um, Troy was very good to me when, when I spoke with him and did make the availability and uh, he always looked after me well. So um, from just from me to, to you guys, I can't say a bad word about him. So yeah. um, I, I think that's kind of where I'll leave that. I, I would say that, uh, from the interactions I saw uh, from Troy with, with mm. David Bell, Ben Sexton, Justin Peters in, in Belleville, it all seemed he was a well-liked uh, individual. So, um, but yeah, I wouldn't know any of the inner workings on that stuff. But um, to, to me, Troy was always good to me. 
Yeah. Um, another one I got for you here. What's a, and I mean, a sh- two years is a short time to really see one of these. Um, but did you see any interactions with Troy and a certain player where you're like, you know, that could be a success story for someone like um, that individual re- relationship. And I mean, if you can obviously share a story or two, but um, did you see any of that uh, with Troy and his players? Just, you know, you know, there was a certain guy where, yeah, Troy really pushed that guy and helped that guy along. And that's why he's moved up to the next level. Is that one guy there? Is that success story there? Yeah. And I, and I think this would go even back before I was um, in a full-time capacity with the team. And I was yeah. just doing, um, just covering the Belleville centers and again, kind of get my, my feet wet in, in the industry. So it's, I think Drake Batherson is kind of that story. Um, I think when you look at a later round draft pick, came into Belleville and you start to see it. And I remember in the first preseason game that he played in the American hockey league. And I said, okay, there, there's something here mm-hmm. later round draft pick had played for team Canada, the world juniors. And, and it just kind of started to flourish and keep going and keep going. And uh, I, I think Troy really pushed him. Um, and I think he really started to, to believe that he could be that player in Belleville. And, uh, and then obviously the next year, Josh Norris comes in and, uh, those two guys are just tearing the league apart and uh, both obviously uh, in Ottawa now and, and success stories for the organization and for Troy Mann. Yeah, no, that's, that's cool to see. Cause I'm always interested to see those, those personal relationships. And obviously we don't get a full behind the scenes look, but it's just, it's cool to see those success stories about certain players where, yeah, like you said, Batherson being late now. Oh, he's you know he looks phenomenal. What what happened along that journey? What what was that point where he started to really take off? So, um, no, and I think that's something that works out well transitioning to the OHL, right? Where guys come in, uh, maybe a high round pick into the Ontario Hockey League, tough rookie season, go into your draft year. You know it has to be better, and then just you know for whatever reason throughout that that second season in the O, your draft year something just clicks and whether it's something that a peer did a coach did um, I think that's pretty cool. So, so for, for Troy man to have that impact, um, you know, in the American hockey league, I think that just transitions nicely um, not only to Kingston, but I mean the entire um, Ontario hockey league to see those stories. So um, no, I appreciate you sharing that Joel, but uh, um, one last thing I got for you here. Um, we we got to get into some red devil stuff here. Um, you know, we, we got a bit to go till the draft, but, uh, what's the, what's the Quinty report, Joel, what do you got for us early on here as we speak at the end of October? Yeah. Well, (laughs) as you mentioned, it's early, uh, they're they're four games into their regular season there. They're three and one. So, uh, a good start. Um, they played Saturday night in Barry. They they lost 10 to one. So, um, he's good. They are very good. Um, Barry's loaded. Yeah. Um, so I think when you look at the Quinny Red Devils, they're, they're going to be there at the end like they normally are, mm-hmm. I, I would say. And uh, Maddox Dajanet, whose dad, Pierre, played in the NHL, he's a guy that I'm really uh, kind of right. trying to follow right now and scored five yes. goals in, in a game. So big, big power forward, got, got a really good shot. So I think he's kind of the guy right now that, that's leading the charge there. Well, his Titans tournament was incredible. The points in that tournament were off the charts. What do you have, like 20 points? 
the leader had like 22 points. And I mean, what did he have? He had like 16 to 20 in that range, I believe. He had a lot in that uh, Titans tournament. And then the London tournament had a good one as well. I remember seeing him in London. Uh, Quinny, I mean, he's he's a unit. He's he's tough to move, man. When he gets full stride, when he gets moving. Um, and, and the crazy thing is, you know, it's the best part about a hockey player when you see the size. But then when you see the ability to skate and that, downhill uh movement that you got like that's a force to have um it's kind of like what we never saw in anthony mantha in detroit for a recent high but it's that it's that downhill force and i mean it's funny because he has the skill like former quinny red devil and kings of front akita Miedema, to where when you watch Miedema in a minor midget i mean the talent and the confidence the confidence was there um in minor midget and you and it just exploded on the scene. I mean, he was so skilled when he came into Windsor, right? That preseason, all the highlight real goals he was scoring. And yeah. it reminds me so similar to where there's maybe more like more feistiness here, but that's another big one. And I mean, the thing is with Quinny too, right? That defensive structure, they've always been a team that can defend. I mean, before, right? When we saw Danford there, um, Wooly there, you know, you always saw those guys. I mean, there's always been a load, uh, Quinny. They've always had good defensemen as well. Yeah, I think the kind of the cool thing about this edition of, of the Quinny Red Devils is Chris Newberry's coaching them. So, uh, former NHLer, uh, I that's think cool. that's pretty cool. Cool to see. And uh, I know Chris is also an assistant coach with Trent Goldenhawks here in, in the Junior A loop. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I think when you look at that team, it's obviously that that one in Barry hurt, but. Um, overall, like you mentioned, Titans tournament, pretty good showing, uh, London tournament, really good showing again. And, and they were off to a three and zero start. So, um, yeah, I, I think you talk about the defensive structure, you talk about their head coach, uh, Dajanay is going to be a, a star. Um, so, so good, another good year for the Quinny Red Devils, uh, I, I think too. Yeah, absolutely. And just want to mention this. We kind of got breaking news. Um, Georgetown Raiders of the OJHL, as you mentioned it, have signed Braden O'Keefe from the Brantford Bulldogs. Now, formerly the Brantford Bulldogs, he will be going to Georgetown. It will be out. Well, that's already out. So uh, Georgetown Raiders uh, had Braden O'Keefe in 05 from the Bulldogs. So another XOHLer going to the OJ. And there's a ton down there. Any of them that stand out to you? I know you've been around Trenton a lot, uh, Joel. Is there any uh, XOHLers that are really standing out? Yeah, I think you talk about some of the XOHLers in the league, and um, they're they're often like uh, Teo Artichuk is uh, from Erie Otters. He's in he's in trend, so I've seen him play once. Now he's he's played three games for them. Uh, Caleb Vandeveen also in trend, so I've seen those guys a, a bit. And I think when you look, you talk about the confidence, right, um, and, and how key that is in a player. When these guys come down to the OJ. They got all the confidence in the world that they can make any play because they've oh, yeah. been in the O, right? So um, it's it's definitely interesting to see um, the, these players come down. And that league is, is a very good league. I think it kind of gets overlooked a lot because um, it's not the OHL and it's not the NCAA. And no, it, it is a lower level, of course, but th- these guys are all very good players. They've all played AAA growing up. They've all... Most of them have been drafted to the OHL or have been to OHL camp. So uh, I've, I've been to a, a fair a, a bit of those games this year, and uh, each time I, I haven't left disappointed. So it, it's been really fun to see. Right on. Um, 
Yeah. yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, I think, uh, Joel, you covered pretty well everything that we wanted to get to. Um, we always appreciate the time. You're always welcome on the show. Um, and it just kind of worked out that Troy Mann's going to be coaching in the Ontario Hockey League. So, Joel, we appreciate all the insight <laughs> and uh, uh, always appreciate your time. Yeah, no, thank you. Uh, anytime, guys. Yeah, yeah, we'll look forward to that next time um, for sure. Uh, coming up next on the OHL and 60 podcast, we will look ahead to this week, this weekend, games we'll be looking out for, and then we'll touch on the power rankings and give our thoughts on that as well. All coming up next here on the OHL in 60 podcast. Welcome back to the OHL in 60 podcast. I'm Reese Demaney along with Colin Ward. Final segment of the show. Again, always thankful to have Joel Vanderland join us um, to chat on whatever topic um, he comes on and, and has a chat. And it was always exciting. That was a good chat. Kind of give people an insight on what they can expect from from Troy Mann in, uh, in Kingston when he returns from suspension. Um, but yeah, a really good chat with Joel. And I'm sure we'll catch up with him uh, sometime uh the rest of the way here in this 2023-2024 OHL season finish things off we're going to look at the power rankings and four teams of course once again not qualifying um this week and if my memory works it is Niagara Erie Windsor and I'm missing one. I'm drawing Eerie. a blank. Windsor, Erie, um, <laughs> Niagara. Hey, Windsor, Erie, Niagara. Why am I drawing a blank on this fourth team? Might not make a difference. Kingston. Kingston, yes. The big K isn't there. So those four teams, not part of the power rankings this week. Uh, number 16, the Oshawa Generals, they drop three spots. Uh, Brantford Bulldogs don't go anywhere. They're still 15. Flint Firebirds up two to f- number 14. Peterborough Peets up one to number 13, although being the second team in the Eastern Conference. The Barry Colts at number 12. Saginaw Spirit finally dropped that big amount that we are kind of expecting for maybe not a couple of weeks, but for... Uh, maybe the last week or so to see Saginaw drop. They dropped seven to number 11. Sarnia Stings stay put. They're at number 10. Owen Sound Attack move up two spots. They're at number nine. Sioux Greyhounds don't move at all. They're at number eight. Kitchener Rangers up two spots to number seven. Sudbury Wolves up a spot to number six. Ottawa 67s minus three to the number five spot. Guelph Storm go up two spots. They're at number four. London Knights move up one. They're number three. North Bay Battalion move up one to number two. And staying right where they were last week, the Mississauga Steelheads are the number one ranked team in the Ontario Hockey League. And we 100% agree with that. Um, So let's let's get into ours now, Wardy. And again, we'll start with the um, bottom four. Um, we'll go 20, 19, 18, 17, and then we will 
um, of course, go back to our top five. So, Colin, who are your bottom four teams following this past weekend? Yeah, my bottom four. I mean, 20, I have Windsor. 19. Here, do you want to do one by one? Start yeah, the bottom? I mean, I, I'm I'm the same as you. I've got Windsor 20 as okay. well. Um, okay. I'm, I'm with you on that. 19, I have Oshawa. Um. I think it's got to be a little bit better, but it's close, right? It's close. I mean, they're close to not being at yeah. 19 because um, 18, I have the Saginaw spirit. Um, Right now, it's not great. I mean, if anyone can make the argument for them being out of this, I mean, please do. Um, And then Erie at 17, mm-hmm. but it's close. It's very close. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. It's, man, I was toying with to be honest, Saginaw's nineteen for me. Um, like like I said, anybody yeah. give give me a reason not to have them there, but they they just no, they no, they're not in the top sixteen yeah. for me. Um, you know, and again, it's close. Erie, I have at uh, um, at number eighteen. Um, so the bottom three West teams for me, and then in the number seventeen spot. And I was kind of toying back and forth between Brantford and Flint, to be completely honest. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for for me, it it's Brantford. Brantford seventeen for wow. me. Um, talking I, points in four of their last five. Yeah, yeah, I just that that one against Barry. I it's, I I didn't like that game at all. Um, I can see where you're coming from. I thought it was a very very good game against North Bay. Um, the the game against Barry dropped them out for me. Um, what happened? What what was the takeaway from Barry? Uh, I mean, I I don't like saying teams don't have good efforts because it, it's tough to put on teenagers about that. Um, but but for me, I think I think you're coming in winning winners of three, um, in a row. Um, not not to say that they they didn't compete. I mean, shots were even. There's only one power play in the game, so it's tough to really blame um, special teams for this. Um, the third goal, or the three-goal third period, um, I just... For me, that's tough. I didn't watch the full game live. Um, I had to watch the replay of it. Um, but but to me, I thought they started strong. I just uh, it kind of fell off with five goals in the last two periods. Yeah, two botch coverage. I can see that there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I like it was November road game back to back. Yeah, like, oh, we've already talked about their schedule, but um, like for me, I could have put I I had Flint there as well. Like they were close, (laughs) um, but but yeah, I'd 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 have to go Brantford in the number seventeen spot. Yeah, I mean, hey, four teams with four wins, right? And they're one of them. And yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. And I mean, I mean. And it, it's easy to put Flint or Brantford there because their power play percentage is below ten percent. The power plays are oh. atrocious right now. Yeah, those two teams. I mean, their power play. I mean, they might as well just defer to the second half. Yeah, um, it's been horrible. Yeah. So those are my bottom four. Colin, let's go to the top five and start with number five. Yeah, five. I'm going to go with Sue. Um, they're back. Uh, Great weekend. I just I thought last weekend, you know, there's a lot of teams that had good weekends. They were my sixth team, if there was a sixth team, but yeah, they just had a good week um this week. And uh yeah, Sue's my five team. Nice. Yeah, my five teams Guelph. Um I I'm not gonna go into it too deep because I kind of went over 
Um, what I've liked about them so far to start the year um, in our trick or treat segment. But uh, yeah, the Guelph Storm, they're number five team for me. It's just, it's really tough to ignore that goals against total. So they go five for me. Um, Colin, who do you got at number four? Four, I got the London Knights. I mean, London kind of fell off a little bit, but I mean, they only had one win. They only had one game this weekend. They won that at home against Ottawa and a pretty good Ottawa team, you know. Um, London's four for me going from three last week down to four. So they drop one spot on my list. Yeah, number number four for me. Um, for me, London six. Um, I have them out of the top five. Um, mm-hmm. obviously the quantity of games is tough. They've got a couple of games in hand on uh on Sault Ste. Marie, which which works out. A game in hand Sarnia, game in hand on Kitchener. Um, but but the number four team for for me this week is the uh um Sioux Greyhounds. Um, you know, 18 points leading their division, second in the uh or actually tied for first in the uh, Western conference. So the, the Sioux Greyhounds, they've been, they've been great. And they're my number two or um, number hmm. two team, number four team this week. Yeah. They're a solid team. I mean, Sioux looks really good. I mean, they're still waiting for them just to start kind of like trickling the losses in there, but yeah. they haven't come yet. I mean, they've been playing well. They're ahead of schedule for sure. Um, three for me is Peterborough Pete's um, Peterborough just continues to impress. Yeah. Their goal differential isn't there amongst those teams, but, the wins are so yeah. the wins nigh candy is there. So that's going to outweigh it right now. So uh, Peterborough's three for me. Yeah. Yeah. I've got Peterborough three as well. Um, I think a point you touched on earlier on in the, in the show, the fact that they have the least amount of regulation losses um, with two, um, you know, getting that yeah. extra point as much as it sucks to lose, you still get an extra point. Just ask the Niagara ice dogs who are, who have five games that have gone to extra time and they haven't collected an extra point. Um, So, you know, that's still big. And yeah, it's, it's, it, there's a lot to like about this Pete's team. Beck is on fire right now. um, Mm -hmm. And that's why they're the number three team for me. A hundred percent. For me, my two team is Kitchener. Uh, Kitchener looks good. I mean, like I said, everyone that counted them out kind of owes them apology now. I mean, they're playing well. Their leaders are being leaders, and it's kind of what you expect out of veteran of out of a veteran team that's transitioning. I thought the Malbuff trade was really good to have Parsons play well and to have Malbuff come and be consistent is huge. Um, and right now, I think Kitchener is a com- turning into a complete balanced team. We'll see because they have a big weekend this weekend, and this yep. weekend is kind of going to see how established they are um, in Kitchener. But Kitchener, as of now, is the two team. Yeah, they're number two for me as well, that number one spot in the Western Conference, and that's just because they played one less game. They have one less loss um, than the Sioux Greyhounds, but uh, they, they've they scored the most goals in the Ontario Hockey League, 65, just two ahead of the Sioux Greyhounds. Um, power play, I thought, has looked very good to start the year, um, and just 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 a lot's clicking, and I think that uh, the pickup of Mashar back from, from Canadians, um, yeah. the Canadian system, just boosts them up and and gives them that extra um that extra piece that they that they're looking for but weren't looking for you know what i mean like sometimes if you're playing so well you don't want to screw with it but this is a this is a happy happy thing to happen um in kitchen it's positive dubs yeah so so they're number two for me as well um as we get to the number one spot colin pretty obvious what it is but uh, you can say it anyways ready three Two, one, Mississauga. Mississauga. Yeah, Mississauga won. Um, 
balance right now. They're showing their depth off. Uh, no quit right now on the team. You saw them get a little adversity on the weekend against Kingston. I mean, they've fought back, and, I mean, they look pretty good in that game at times, yeah. too. So, uh, Mississauga won, and no reason why for them to go down. Yep. Um, as of yet. Pretty pretty well explained what I was going to say. So, yeah, that worked out. Yeah. Power plays at twenty-seven percent. So yeah, what I mean, yeah, the last two years to start the year one's been pretty easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, no, Mississauga once again claiming the top spot for both of us. No surprise whatsoever. Um, and it doesn't look like that's going to change any anytime soon. So Mississauga in the number one spot, and uh, that is how we wrap up the Halloween edition of the OHL in 60 podcast. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Um, as always, we mentioned the stats last week. We always appreciate everybody listening and, and tuning into the show. It's why we keep doing it every week and why we still would rather watch the OHL over the NHL. Um, Absolutely. As, as it's always a pleasure to, to present this to everybody. So again, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you to Joel Vanderland for joining us on the show. Give us an idea of what we can expect from Troy Mann as the new bench boss for the Kingston Frontenacs. And then happy Halloween, everybody. Hope you hope you had a good night. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope the kids got all, all the candy that they can get. Um, and for the parents, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, have fun. Good, good luck portioning. Um, so again, appreciate everybody tuning in. And we will chat again in seven days.